This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Real Estate Is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hi, my name is Ross Gutler. I'm with Delos. We are a health, real estate, and technology firm. And what I love about real estate is that forever it's really just been a device to store us, to protect us from the elements. And I really believe it has the potential right now to make us all better people. And I just think the way people consume space in general is drastically changing right now, and I'm excited as hell about it. Let's get philosophical for a moment. We've come to know real estate as meaning the space around us that shapes our life, but it can be more. It is the built world we live and work in that has the power to actually shape our personal well-being, from the fabric of chairs we sit in, to control over the quality of the air, water, and lighting conditions around us, leading to a healthier and better well-being. Coming up, a company that's placing health and wellness at the center of design, construction, and facilities. It's more than a roof over our head. It's a quality of life. From New York City, you're listening to Real Estate Is Your Business, powered by Preview, a smart online real estate brokerage providing expert advice without the high fees. With Thomas Kutzman and Scott Pollock. Ross, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. We've talked about wellness before in this show, but it was more so from a services uh, standpoint and providing wellness services within real estate, within space. But what you're working on and what your company's working on is very different when it comes to design, architecture, and how all of those things factor into wellness. Why is this concept of wellness so important right now? (laughs) I think it's actually a great question of why it's important right now. Um, And I'll, I'll try and tie it between, it's a combination, I think, of the proliferation of fantastic real estate tech, which we've been so behind the ball, as everybody always says, in terms of tech in the real estate industry. It's also... Outside of real estate, you've got so much evolutionary biology and that story being told in a more consumer-facing, I'm going to say, tone and voice. Um, you've got guys like Yuval Noah Harari writing Sapiens and Homodeus. I think getting that in the average person's hands, factor that in with the real estate tech, as I was saying, and then I think just the really the advancement of construction and design techniques. I don't know if the pace of that is any greater than it was 20 or 30 or 40 years ago, but I think when you combine it with the first two, this is a really awesome time to be in this. Oh, and then another one, health and wellness is the fastest growing segment of the economy. Like I, I think by a decent margin. But when we when we talk about wellness, it goes beyond just, you know, working out, doing yoga. How do you think about the science of wellness as it relates to, you know, physical space, you know, furniture, et cetera? Well, we approach it, and I'll say what we do at the company, and it's why I love being at Delos. We 
approach it from a really hardcore science and medicine perspective. Um, you know, our we partner with groups like Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, Harvard Sleep Center for Health. Um, it's it's less about where do you put that chair, feng shui type of stuff, or what colors do you use? Not not that we overlook that. It's just not what we're about. Um, and it's more let's look at the actual contaminants in the air, organic and inorganic. Let's look at the same thing in water. Um, let's look at acoustic comfort. Let's look at the materials we're using and what are they off-gassing and what's that doing to our mental faculties during the day and, you know, how alert we are. What's the light doing? I mean, we could we could have a whole podcast, just you and I, on light quality and what that does to our digestion and our sleep and our energy levels uh, and our overall happiness. So I think, you know, maybe even going back to the first question, science is like right on the precipice of showing us what space is doing to our bodies and we weren't capable of doing that before. And I think in five years where it's going to be, when wearables are really much more common, then you're really going to see that powerful combination of, okay, we've got a wearable that's telling us immediately, you know, in real time what's going on in the body. And so you can find out what is the built environment doing to our body right now. That wearable can then send information to the space to say, okay, space, real estate, adjust for this person's body. Um, that's exciting as hell to me, man. It, it sounds like something out of uh, like the movie Iron Man where, you know, <laughs> like the, the house starts like reacting or responding to you. Yeah. Um, what are some of those, you know, features that, you know, builders, developers, architects are starting to you know, learn from you to incorporate into their their builds and designs? I think material vetting is a big one. I mean, it just, you know, to specifically answer your question about builders, I think we haven't realized for such a long time just what a lot of the, the elements in materials are doing to our bodies. Uh, I'll give you an example in our office. We were uncomfortable with an adhesive in the carpet that was going to be installed, and we asked Interface, and Interface removed that adhesive and did something else, and it was it was great, and they learned, and they're like, okay, now we have a product that that meets uh, the standards you guys are looking for. Um, we have Technion desks, and we were uncomfortable with the material that surrounds the desk that sort of like provides as protection so you don't bump in and hurt yourself, and they swapped that out for another material. And we've got little concept uh, uh, task lights. And I don't know how, and this is how awesome our team is, but we found out one of the materials in the power cord was not safe. <laughs> and they swapped that out for us. So I think the construction industry is really waking up to red list materials and things like that. Um, you know, in terms of practices, we're really sensitive to what are the practices during construction to protect the health of you know like the men and women there just building space and when you look at you know some of these you know devices that it goes beyond just the vetting but also now you're incorporating new sensors new technology yeah. in place that you're going back to your point about wearables where the space interacts with you how does that translate into cost though so it seems like you know, in the early days of rolling out some of these concepts, it's only available to the luxury community, the you know, high price points. 
Um, where are we as far as that cycle of luxury introduction and to mass adoption of some of these concepts? Hard to say where we are. I mean, certainly as any new technologies roll out, they start at the top of the food chain. Um, that being said, we have a smart, healthy building ecosystem that we're developing at Delos called Darwin, and we're piloting it right now in three to $500,000 homes in Australia. I'm, I'm not saying like, that's a really, really cheap house, but it's definitely not like super high end. Um, we are doing high end and then we're going to try and like figure out what's the value proposition there in the middle and what product do we need to deliver there. So without going off on a tangent there, we are actually trying to start at a relative entry point that is accessible for a lot of people. Um, you said the word sensors. To me, the sensorification of real estate is – the future. Uh, everything is going to be censored. I was going over the list of people you guys had on this show before, and I saw there's something was it like connected toilets and sinks. I didn't get it. Was a uh, uh, low tick. Low yeah. tick was on the show. So are are they are they doing the sensing? Like are they trying to collect data and find out when you should clean them, or what you're actually learning from what people are emitting into them? Uh, no. So they they look at it from the the, the water source point. So okay. they have sensors that follow vibrations yeah um to help you know larger buildings uh prevent waste of water so mm -hmm. you know the, it was it was more so the dramatic uh, change in the the cost of water going up um but also as a scarce resource to you know help control from an environmental perspective but also a cost perspective operationally for uh for landlords um, yeah so i think that's probably a good example of maybe the two sides of the coin and how we're on the i think the future side of this so i think the prior side of the coin has been cost reduction. So to me, that's a cost reduction play. Um, I've heard, I haven't seen them, there are toilets out there that actually analyze human waste to tell you, well, this is wrong, something's wrong with your body, you're not getting enough uh, fiber, which I'll talk about later with our snack, things like that. To me, that's like a I mean, to use an economic, that's like yield creation, you know, so you're looking at improving yourself rather than cutting costs or minimizing a negative. Um, I see that as the future. And when you're looking at things that are maybe more want to haves instead of need to haves, they're often going to start at the top of the market. Right. When you start to look at the different trends or when you start to look at the science of a specific trend or technology, what are the you know the top three or four trends that you know you're most focused on? I think the sensorification of everything, if you want to call that a trend, which I think it is, um, for me, personal improvement. Uh, I think the amount of Tim Ferriss type of guys out there right now, men and women, are doing amazing things. I know I've made a lot of changes in my life in the last few years, um, and they're great to share with other people. So I would say the two of those, and I, I think artists are getting more ability, more opportunity to share what they're doing rather than just staying in a studio um, or just being sold in galleries. Uh, you know, like so uh, for, from a sharing perspective, like on social media, or is it more so just getting it out to? Well, I think social media has been awesome, but like. Uniqlo having uh, Keith Haring and a few of the other artist stuff that they've been slapping on shirts. 
I mean, I don't know what Keith Haring's legacy group is collecting for that, but I just think it's awesome that there's more interest in people having art and artists on their clothing or wherever it is than it seems like, I don't know, I grew up in the 80s. I don't, I don't remember that stuff being on our clothing. Yeah, it was much more just classic, like, here's a gray shirt, here's a blue shirt, here's or a Just like, shirt. here's the brand on yeah. the shirt. That's it. I, I like that artists are getting an opportunity. I'm really into street art. Um, New York's a great place to live for that. You know, for me to see street artists now getting to come inside and do murals and do walls inside retail, inside apartment buildings, inside hotels is awesome. I just love that it's a more embraced form of art. I mean, even my mom knows about it and like asked me about it. Right. Yeah. And, and it brings an extra flavor to a building or space yeah, exactly. when you walk into it yeah. um, versus, you know, especially in the, in the rental community, you have these, a lot of these buildings are just like classic, just white walls. Like people don't do as much as with, uh, as they should. Yeah. Um, going back to, to Delos for a second. Uh, just for, for those listening that are, are not familiar, you don't, you're not a builder, you're not a developer, um, but you work very closely with the real estate industry. Um, what are those, you know, services that you bring to the table to the real estate industry? Sure. Yeah. Half our clients are fortune 500s and half our clients are owners, developers, uh, investment managers. Um, and, and that's really on the office and commercial side, you know, the, the I guess the different verticals that we play in, you know, there's different stakeholders there. Uh, but, you know, on the corporate side, we're coming and, and generally across the board, we are offering either high level strategy. Um, and I really do mean high level strategy. We try to partner with the other consulting firms that are out there. In fact, we have global alliance partners that all offer services that we like to sort of support from behind. Um so we'll either offer high-level strategy of here's a great grand plan of what you can do to optimize your office space, let's say, for for health and wellness of the employees, which is like number one, two, or three, depending on what you look at of their number demands. Um, and then on the owner-developer side, you know, it's how do you take the core and shell of a building and optimize it for the tenants? And I think... Um, I mean, I was watching a talk the other day at a conference, and I think it was uh, the guy from a guy from Dexas, which is a big REIT in Australia, and he was talking about, you know, we don't call them tenants anymore; we call them customers. You know, I mean, the whole the whole, and I listened to a guy from Car Real Estate, which is a group uh, down in DC, and he was saying, we're not even we don't even call ourselves a real estate company anymore; we're a hospitality company with real estate as a product. That's interesting. I mean, it's, 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 it's definitely semantics. And I think it's a good lesson in, in branding nowadays. Cause, um, you know, even other, you know, guests we've had on talk about like our companies, technology companies or real estate companies, or are they real estate technology companies? Uh, and where's that crossroads of things? Um, and how are you remarketing and repurposing concepts that are the same thing? You're still, providing right. shelter or office space to someone. Uh, but what does that look like? What does that mean? Yeah. So we work with groups like that and help them figure out, okay, what are the strategies we need? And then second to that, we have products that we either, we spend a lot of time vetting, often years at a time, and we want to share those with the market. Uh, we also help co-develop products uh, and technologies where 
you know, generally our approach toward investments is if we see a problem in the built environment uh, that we don't think there's a perfect product or technology out there that solves it, we'll either go to a group and say, we'll get you over the finish line on this and we want to share some IP together, or we'll find two different groups out there and say, y'all should get together with us. The three of us will form some IP and we'll share in that. Um, so that's like an addif- a additional thing that we do. And then we do develop some in-house technology as well. It's interesting stuff. Um, coming up, we'll get a little bit deeper into you know some of the these consulting and services that you provide, and also just get more of your perspectives on you know where wellness will be going over the next ten years. Uh, but first, uh, you you mentioned earlier you brought a snack. Uh, it looks healthier than uh, our usual snacks uh, yeah. on the show. Well, there's good reason for that. Uh, you know, uh, this part of your personal about an hour, about an hour ago, I went to, uh, Regina, who's one of our, I think she's our top nutrition expert. It's awesome having one of those in the company because I always go to Regina and say, Regina, what do you think about this dietary move and things like that? Um, and, and on the whole, which I think a lot of people will like to hear, she will always say moderation is the key. Don't get so worked up about stuff. Um, but so I went to her and I said, I need something for this podcast. <laughs> so she took me in the kitchen. And as you can imagine, we have loads of healthy snacks in the kitchen. So these are fiber rich crackers, which does not sound like fun, but they have four grams of fiber per serving. And as Regina told me, shortage of fiber is a big problem amongst people's diet right now. And so by having, by, by having a lack of fiber, um, you don't have proper sugar regulation because fi- consumption of fiber helps your body regulate sugar as you br- as you intake sugar. Uh, it actually helps the flow of your digestive system. And if you have a shortage of fiber, you can have early onsets of different types of digestive cancer. And so for all those reasons, you need more fiber. She's helping us stay So I brought some of that. Now She's what I will say is healthy. I did not – she said, Ross, you really should have like some almond butter or something to spread over these because they're a little dry on their own. I said, I don't have time for that right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we'll, uh, we'll investigate how healthy they taste uh, and uh, we'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. Are you looking to buy a home in New York City? Get more with Preview's industry-leading smart buyer rebate. Seamlessly search listings on Preview's end-to-end buyer platform, purchase your home with the expert advice of a local agent, plus receive up to 2% cash back thanks to Preview's smart buyer commission rebate. Smart buyers get more with Preview. Go to previewapp.com backslash buyer. That's previewapp.com backslash buyer. Ross, thanks for, for bringing that snack. It definitely tasted better than the healthy description uh, you and Regina provided. So. Okay. I, I won't look for a job on their marketing team anytime soon. But... Uh, Thanks for thanks for bringing them. Uh, you guys got enough fiber now. Now my sugar, actually my you know, sugar's going to be regulated some fiber. now. My yeah. sugar's regulated, so we're good. good. We're good to go now. Uh, I wanted to dive back in, and uh, you know, we we talked a little bit about wellness, a little bit about you know what Delos does, but I'm curious to hear about what you're most excited about that the company's working on right now. That uh, you know the listeners 
might learn from. Sure. Um, we are, we've been working for over a year on this technology called Darwin. And it's, it's basically like the wellness brains for your home. And it, we're piloting it in residential right now, but we'll eventually roll it out in a commercial. And the reason it's awesome is, you know, going back to what I said at the beginning, like this, these boxes that we live in have really just been storing us. They've actually been poisoning us. And I, and I don't use that word lightly. Our spaces are actually poisoning us, uh, whether it's materials, whether it's contaminants in the air that may have come you know, through the HVAC system that weren't filtered properly, whether it's things coming in through the water, um, our homes are harming us. And so we looked at it and we said, well, how do we not just remove the harm? Can we actually get the home to make us better? So, you know, what our system does, it's heavily driven through sensors, is it learns the environment of what's going on. And then it makes adjustments, whether it's in the lights, whether it's in the HVAC, whether it's in the water, uh, whether it's in acoustics, which is something we'll probably roll out. That's not uh, part of the product at the moment, but we'll get there. Um, it's taking the home and improving it to optimize our health. And really, I, I almost think it's it's about protecting your family while you're in your, you know, your family's your greatest asset. Why would you not spend whatever money there is to make sure the home's taking care of you as well as it can? Um, and it seems like that might be yeah. an upfront cost because we talked earlier about you know luxury and who can afford what right. as far as some of these nice ameni- extra services or amenities. But that cost up front actually might save you on the back end when you think about medical costs in this country and, and globally. There's no might about it. It's a sure thing. Yeah. And, and I think it even saves, you know, I mean, some people don't pay their own health insurance. So whether it's saving, you know, mom and dad money or whether it's saving, you know, your company money, money is being saved. Uh, you know, there's a stat that I love to share, which is uh, 70% of what determines your health is your physical and social environment. Only 30% is genetics and access to care. Yet, if you look at how much we spend in the U.S. on preventative care, it's 2.8%. So, you know, we're spending... Next to nothing. We're spending next to nothing, and yet the physical and social environment is 70% of what determines your health. That's just – it's like hard to think about. It makes you so frustrated. And so we're we're trying to flip that. Um, Maybe not flip it. We just – I mean if we could get some incremental improvement, I think it would be awesome. And how do you go about getting awareness of it? Obviously, you need the buy-in from the owner-operators, those Fortune 500 clients that, you know – buy into the science and, Mm -hmm. you know, systems that you're building. Um, But how do you help promote that advocacy um, beyond just the corporate world? How do people become aware that these are such important things? Well, it's, it's a little hard. Uh, You know, I think we have, we have sometimes a difficult, in a way, people should think our pitch should be very easy. Oh my God, who doesn't care about your health? You know, we're a very – our company, half the people came from the sustainability world. We are an extremely sustainable company. I brought this snack actually. It was recommended to me, oh, Ross, you have to bring this in a glass that you can bring back because that's sustainable. So, I mean, that's how we operate. You, you are the first guest to bring a, a snack that's not in a prepackaged or – That, that or a was on purpose. Box. So, 
it's it's an honor for me to work at a place that that really believes and cares about that. Um, but the sustainability industries, the difficult thing in the value proposition was people don't see the immediate return. Like if you recycle a water bottle, you will never know what happens to that recycled material. You don't know the harm you're causing. You don't know the saving that you're producing. When it's health, you know it right away. Like it's you. <laughs> you know, it it only impacts you. So selfishly, it's very easy to care about health. So in a way, you think, wow, this should be really easy to do what you guys do. The difficult thing for us is people don't realize that the built environment is causing them a problem to begin with. So we have to come along and say, hey, do you realize that there's a problem? Do you realize your home is poisoning you? Do you realize your office, uh, that conference room is making you tired and sleepy and negatively impacting your mental acuity? Oh, no, we didn't. So we have to convince people there is a problem. And then we also have the right solution for that. And, you know, I, I think most people selling a product or a service or an idea usually just have to say, we've got the right solution for a problem you already knew you had. Right. So you first have to educate. There's an education curve for sure. It, it is. And I actually tell people um, evangelizing is half our job, you know, which is fun. Getting on here, talking to people like you about that. Like, I, I enjoy it. It's great. Going beyond wellness, you, know, you you seem to have very you know strong views on you know space. And when we on this show, we talk a lot about you know all sorts of real estate technologies and you know businesses um, outside of your own company and wellness. Uh, like, what is catching your eye within the real estate space? Other trends that I don't necessarily know a lot about, but I would say from an outsider perspective, I'm really fascinated is what. AR, VR, and 3D printing are going to do to retail. And so, like, I'll walk you through a scenario that I thought about differently 18 months ago. 18 months ago, I would have said autonomous vehicles. I would have thrown AVs in that list of other acronyms. And now I don't. And I remember hearing this idea of what's going to happen to retailers when an autonomous vehicle can come to your apartment and bring the clothes to you. Like, okay, I, I, you know, that was interesting to think about. And I, over the last probably 12 months plus, my thoughts have evolved to, you don't even need that. Once AR and VR and 3D printing become advanced enough, you can just look at how you can be in your apartment. You can see how the clothes look on you. You can pick a certain like almost like smart mirrors. You can and... pick a certain design, and then you go to your 3D printer that's let's say five times better than the ones out now and is more accessible from a cost standpoint. You hit the button, and the clothes comes out. You know, I'm fascinated what is going to be the use and the way people consume and the utility you derive from retail at that point. Like, not just what will retailers become, what will retail space be? My feeling, and I say this just really loving the arts and seeing a lot of live music, it seems to me the way people try and get you into their space now is you got to make your space cool. Well, what is like the, what makes cool? Well, if, it's, if, if it's not Instagrammable, like, is it, a, is it worth building out that space? <laughs> yeah, probably not right now, but who knows if Instagram will be around in 10 years. Um, you know... What makes space cool? 
I think art and music are always at the foundation of of cool. And so you're seeing, you know, whether it's Supreme or other brands, you're seeing them. Look at what Nike and Adidas are doing. All these collaborations with different artists and musicians. I, I like. I don't know what percent of shoes they're putting out now that are that are collaborations. It's a lot. Well, even when you think about you know three D printing technology, even certain like these fly knit shoes. Obviously, you know it's it's even expand beyond like, just the initial fly knit technology. But even like how you know Nike and other companies are using like similar thought process of view of like that three D printing on a, on a corporate level, not necessarily an individual individual level. But you mentioned. AV and autonomous vehicles. I was at a conference recently where one of the speakers was talking about building development and how developers, when you think about garages and residential towers, that garages historically were like sloped because you could fit more cars. But now garages of the future are being built as flat surfaces because there's an expectation that there'll be less need of parking in a world with autonomous vehicles. Right. I, it was the first time I had heard that perspective on it, and this was just a few months ago. Um, but the the topic of autonomous vehicles is, is died out. Like two years ago, that's all you heard about. Yeah. Um, then last year, all you heard about was Bitcoin. <laughs> and this year, I feel like the... I, I've, I've harped on this before, but if I read one more article about scooters... Oh, jeez, Yeah. <laughs> And now I, I, there's a last mile argument. There's a lot of other things with scooters, but it's it's interesting to see how like things go in such ways where like autonomous vehicles. There's still tons of companies working on that, but you don't hear about it anymore, or you don't hear about it as much. And I think, look, on the scooter conversation, when it opens your eyes to other methods of transportation, and you're like, well, shit, maybe autonomous vehicles isn't really the future of transportation. So yeah, Tom, I mean, I agree with you. We may we may skip some steps that we think are going to be important now, or some of the steps we think are going to be important will be really short-lived. You know, I mean, not to be like sci-fi, but there's modes of transportation that I don't think the three of us in this room realize are possible right now. Who knows? If we're 10 or 15 years around the corner from one of those modes of transportation, we're never going to have a long life cycle of fully autonomous vehicles because we just won't need them. Um, and I'm not saying it's like scooters is that, I mean, it's, I think it would be like, put your sci-fi hat on and start thinking like that. Like hoverboards, something out of back to the future. I don't even know. I, I don't remember where I heard this the other, it was like a year ago. Somebody was giving me a pitch about if you had towers, like large buildings, and let's say it's a hotel and you and your family, you and your wife, your husband, whatever, you're staying in a hotel room in Seattle. If you can, like like a puzzle piece, if you can pull that room out of the building in Seattle and that room, the whole room, can be in Chicago in 45 minutes. You can go out to dinner there. You can still be in your room. Like That's the type of thing I don't think a lot of people are thinking about. Like a step below teleportation. Yeah. Or maybe it or is like a, Or like a... Like a... <laughs> A spatial hyperloop, but just for your space. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you uh, think Elon Musk could probably come up with something if he uh, if he stops tweeting. You know, spends more time focused <laughs> on. He's got, uh, he's got a lot of problems besides tweeting. Tweeting seems to be a problem for a lot of people these days. We don't want to go down that road, but yeah, no, getting I mean, a lot of people in hot water. Well, which is funny because you know, five years ago, people were maybe not five years ago, but three years ago, people thought Twitter was going to to 
died before Dorsey came back. Yeah. Um, but now that's true. All you ever hear about is complaining about what people are saying on that Twitter. Is, that is true. So it's almost bringing people back into Twitter. So it's actually how's that help? How, how's that affected for, their stock price? I haven't looked at it in a while. Uh, I don't know where it was recently, but yeah, you know, it in the doldrums there for a period probably the last two or three years. I think it got as low as thirteen or fourteen. It's back probably up into the upper thirties or forties. Okay. Yeah, last I checked, strong, I remember seeing a forty back. handle on it. But um, but to your point, like whether you know any part of industry right now, people are are back on Twitter. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe I wasn't an active enough user, but the more I talk, hear in the press about people talking about Twitter and tweets is is pretty, uh, pretty yeah crazy. Like I I think not to get into teleportation, but I mean because I really don't know much about it. But I'm reading a book right now that came out. Man, it's almost 20 years ago. Uh, the Elegant Universe by Brian Greene, and it is blowing my mind, man. I mean, it's just. It, I think my I went to public school in North Carolina, and I don't think our sciences were too strong. So I'm probably learning stuff now I should have learned in high school. But the first 50 pages are really about like what what, what Einstein figured was wrong with Newton's theory of gravity and what he learned and how he advanced things and how other scientists picked it up from Einstein. And you just read stuff about the universe and about space being its own direction, different than the other, you know, it's fourth dimension, the other three. Um, it's really, really awesome stuff. And you read stuff, like you're like, okay, well, how does this translate into maybe modern day transportation? And I'm not smart enough to figure that out. But my point is, stuff will be invented, I believe, in our lifetime that we're not considering. And we probably aren't going to need the roads out there like they are, whether they're for scooters or whatever. I don't know, but... Great. Uh, this that's is, a different podcast, I that, think. I th we could probably do a whole conver <laughs> conversation on that. Um, and I might have to read this book uh, so I can keep up. The Elegant Universe. Ross, this has been a, a great conversation about wellness and you know some of your viewpoints on real estate. Uh, maybe we'll save teleportation for our catch-up in 20 years from now. Um, but coming up, we'll get into more personal questions and learn a little bit more about you as a person we'll be right back welcome to the all possibilities podcast i'm your host julie chan intuitive life purpose coach and founder of being my purpose i had a successful career an ivy league education and led a very rational life Several years ago, I had a spiritual awakening, developed psychic gifts, and decided to dedicate my life to pursue my purpose and empower others. I'm hungry to learn even more about the incredible potential of the human mind and spirit. On this podcast, I talk to entrepreneurs, executives, scientists, and leaders to hear their stories of transformation, the science behind them, and what it means for you to unlock your potential in your life and career. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. Ross, uh, we talked a lot about your company, your views on real estate, and now it's time for personal questions. And ordinarily when Scott's here, there's a you know back and forth, we have a couple different questions, but uh, 
want to ask you a, a lineup of questions, uh, if you're open to it. Let's do it. Uh, you mentioned earlier you're from North Carolina, so I thought, you know, a quick rapid fire of North Carolina related questions that only a true son of North Carolina. Okay. I am, I am a answer. true son. All right. UNC or Duke? Well, I went to Duke twice. That being said, I actually grew up a Carolina fan. Um, and this really pains me. I can't believe I'm admitting this online. I changed to being a Duke fan when I went there. I almost did not go to school because of it. So were you a traitor or were you a loyalist because of hey, Look, this is probably my biggest piece of internal guilt. This is shifting. I almost didn't go to Duke because I was because I felt that strongly about it. And if you grew up in North Carolina, you know college basketball is really the only sport that matters to us. And uh, I wasn't going to go. And my mom, some of the best advice she ever gave me, she said, that's the stupidest fucking reason not to go to that school. She was like, it's a really good school. It's a better school. You're going to have a great education. Just go. And I went. And I went to a few games at Cameron and just the the culture and the atmosphere on the campus was so unbelievable. It was such an incredible college experience. But I remember sitting on the bus next to these two girls who were both Chinese. And they were talking about a high school recruit that was still a sophomore in high school. And I just sat there and I thought, man, I thought I grew up around people that knew college basketball. These two girls next to me aren't even from this country and knew more about a recruit that was still 15 years old than I knew. I was like, that's unbelievable. So final answer, UNC. I'm Duke. 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 I pull for Carolina in every other game if they're not playing Duke. Got it. Favorite music group that's come out of North Fish. Carolina? Oh, oh, no. Okay, let's answer that question again. They Fa came out of North Carolina. Favorite music group that came out of North Carolina? Uh, I'm going to say J. Cole. He's a rapper, not a group. He's from North Carolina. Got it. Favorite NASCAR driver? Oh, man, for sure, DJ. I Dale Jarrett. I used to work for Dale Jarrett's attorney when I was really younger. Dale Jarrett's from Hickory. Uh, he's the man. We support him. He's the he's one of the best drivers of all time. And he's the only one from Hickory. Great. I mean, this is this is the first. This is the, the first time we've ever gotten to ask about a NASCAR on the show. Debbie said... I've never been to a NASCAR race. I couldn't probably name <laughs> I, I except for like the super super famous ones. Probably couldn't name a driver. Yeah, uh, never been to a race, and I probably didn't even know NASCAR existed before I was like fourteen or fifteen. Yeah. I think when it finally got to television in the north. Well, do you do you know how it started? No, like racing started. It was guys on the back roads, generally running liquor. Um, you know, on the back roads in my area of North Carolina. And what, what area? What town were you from? Hickory. Oh, that's right. Hickory. Uh, it's an hour north of Charlotte on on I-40. And the reason I always thought it was a cool story is because the house I grew up in was built in the 1880s. And in the back of what we called the garage, which used to be this building where they slaughtered the pigs and the cows. Uh, if you go all the way around the back, there's this break in the hedges, in the bushes. And there's this little carved out room that's probably like two feet by two feet and that was where they sold moonshine it was an illegal moonshine spot for the whole neighborhood and i always thought that was such a cool story growing up that like this was in the back of my house related to nascar because that's what they were running was the moonshine got it now now uh for those that didn't know now now, <laughs> now they know 
this has been a, a great conversation and, and thanks for uh you know the North Carolina rapid fire. Uh we like to give all of our guests the opportunity to, you know, share a final thought uh with uh those listening. Yeah, I I really what I am most excited about, I didn't go through like my past, but I've been in real estate for most of my life and I flipped houses, I was an office and industrial developer, I was an office and industrial broker. When times got bad, I was advising banks on uh, distressed portfolios. I've been in real estate forever, and now I'm in health and wellness real estate. I got bored with it, and being at Delos and being at really the total cutting edge of the future of space has been so invigorating to me. And even though I wanted to get out of real estate, which is why I went back to business school, now I couldn't be happier to be back in it. And I think I am excited as shit about what space, what four walls and a roof are going to be able to do for us in the future. And I love talking about it. Uh, I think it is the most exciting industry to be in right now. A lot of people think real estate is dead. Like we're not going to need, you know, uh, there's going to be so much co-working, which there will. And I love co-working. And that's a separate conversation that we won't need as many big buildings as we used to, or stuff will be made at home. We won't need all the industrial storage space, which is on fire right now. We won't need retail space, whatever it is. I'm not making argument against any of that. I'm just saying what space can do for us, make us better people, make us smarter, make us healthier, make us actually kinder people. All of that is possible, and I freaking love it. It's, it sounds like you're you're doing great things, and uh, you're also bringing science to the table to uh, to justify all of it. It's not just a, a product you're forcing on people. You're defending it with science. So uh, you know, we wish you continued uh, you know, success with all that. Um, for the listeners that want to connect with you and Delos, how uh, what's the best way to connect? I would say look me up on LinkedIn. I don't know what the LinkedIn URL is. I'm the only Ross Gutler. If you just put in Ross Gutler, R-O-S-S-G-U-T-T-L-E-R. Uh, and I'm on Instagram, Facebook, all that. You know, Feel free to reach out to me. I love connecting with new people. Uh, I've only been living in New York for five years. My favorite thing about living here is the diversity of types of people I come across. And I feel I've learned and grown more as a person living here than ever in my life because there's just so many really smart, amazing people around. So I welcome everybody. Please reach out to me. Let me know what you're up to and how we can work together. Well, we, we appreciate uh, you joining us today. And, you know, thanks as always to everyone uh, listening. Uh, and I'm Tom and real estate is your business. You've been listening to Real Estate Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for this show or to become a sponsor, email us at realestatebizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Real Estate Biz Show. That's Real Estate B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, realestateisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network and brought to you by Preview. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.